You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows and then we talk about them. We are currently covering every Ryloth-themed episode of Star Wars television from Clone Wars and Bad Batch through Rebels. Yes, indeed. Oh, and we're currently covering Season 1, Episode... 19. 19? Storm over Ryloth. Storm over Ryloth. Thank you, Ryan. I didn't remember any of that shit. It's all good. Before we get into that episode, though, Ryan has a bit for us. Yeah. So uh, I actually didn't have a bit at first, and I was just sitting here. I'm not at work today. Worked out this morning, but haven't done anything but sit today. And I'm sitting around, and I'm like, what's a good bit? And I'm just sitting here, and then there it was. Sitting. There's a lot of sitting in Star Wars. Andy, what's your favorite Star Wars seat? Chair, couch, furniture. What's the best Star Wars seat? That's a good question. Thank you. There's a lot of really good options. Yeah. The runner-up is the Camino chairs. Ooh. But I think it would hurt my back, which, as I say that... I feel really old, <laughs> uh, but like young, young Andy, Andy, six years ago. Give me one of that. I'll give him an alt day. I think my my current old person Andy answer is Newt Gunray's uh, walking chair Ooh. from uh, Phantom Menace and the book Labyrinth of Evil. Yes, that's I was going to say that's like the MacGuffin there. Yeah, yeah, what a great MacGuffin. What a... Yeah. Uh, Lucino? Yes. Yeah, just was like, hey, that thing's cool. Let's, uh, let's write a whole ass book about it. It makes sense. What about you? What is your favorite Star Wars chair? I have always been drawn to the Jedi Council chairs. I think it was because mm-hmm. the Yoda action figure came with one, and he was like the toy that I couldn't find but really wanted as a kid when I first got into this. Um, but I think of the council chairs, the style that Mace and Obi-Wan have with like the wide back and the big armrests and the low slung yeah, yeah, seat. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is large and in charge. I would love like a custom designed sofa based on those chairs. What do you think is the worst Star Wars chair? Ooh. Um... I'll punt this one to you while I think about it. What do you think is the worst Star Wars chair? That's a good question. I think it's got to be the like meditation chairs in Yoda's little huh. room. Those look comfy. There's there's no there's no back support. <laughs> you are on back support today, my friend. Yeah. Like Yoda, if I'm like coming to see you because I'm stressed out about my dying pregnant wife, 
don't make me like sit crisscross applesauce on this shitty bench. Like, can we can we get a real ass <laughs> chair in here? What is this stool situation? That's that. Yeah, that's fair. I got enough problems. Palpatine, when we go to the opera together and I tell him about my dying pregnant wife, we got a nice opera chair. Yeah. Come to the dark side. They got back support. (laughs) There you go. It's better than cookies at a certain age. I think my worst Star Wars chair is the one that Mike Zero sits in to edit his videos. Mm. No, um, my actual answer is a particular chair that shows up in the Clone Wars and A New Hope, and you'll never unsee it. I don't know well, what the hell happened, if the set deck ran out of budget or what, but in the A New Hope Death Star conference room, pretty much everybody except, like, Tarkin is just using a plain black office chair, like a black pleather office chair with plain-ass casters on four wheels and swivels, and not even a nice one. Like, these are the chiefs of staff of the greatest military organization in the galaxy, and they're like, Bargain bin staples, ollies if you're on the East Coast. The worst of the worst. And they show up in Clone Wars, too, like, intentionally. Like, StarWars.com said it was an intentional nod to the cheap-ass chairs used in the conference room. Galactic tax dollars, tax credits should be going to something better. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe the dark side doesn't have good chairs. It, they have a good chairs above a certain threshold. If they're courting you to become a Sith, you know, they're going to give you that interview in the nice chair. Tarkin had a nice chair. Is uh, Anakin's, or I guess Vader's surgical table in episode three, Mm. is that a chair? Um. Or or is it a bench? To quote, to quote Gene from the show Joe Parra Talks With You, which I'm currently obsessed with. Uh, the difference between sitting and lying down is when you see more ceiling than wall. Mm. Um, I think that's inherently a bed because okay. you're mostly seeing the ceiling. What about the the bench that comes out of the wall in the Cloud City torture chamber after Han socks Lando? I mean, he's seeing more wall than ceiling because he's leaning forward. Um, that also seems like a shitty chair situation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that's still a bed, I think. Well, well, then we get into what's the difference between a throne and a chair, like three POs, Ewok, monarchy situation. Monarchy is the difference. Okay. You sit in a chair if you were elected, or if you don't hold power. <laughs> I think three PO that's a throne because he's okay. a god. Nobody voted for him. I mean, they kind of did though. I mean, I guess. Ewok politics. That's an, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll ask our friends at Sifty uh, Sifty Minutes, uh, which if you have not listened to that show, it is phenomenal. They look at uh, like real world political issues uh, through a Star Warsy lens, and it's uh, it is Chef's Kiss. I gotta check Thank that you, out. Loud Motorcycle. Um, but yeah, great podcast. Check them out. Very good. Is it time for the episode? That was a long bit about chairs, Jesus. I mean, there's a lot to say. You could say that that topic had legs. Oh, but uh, I'll take a seat. 
Oh, Padme's throne is dope with the Ooh, black yeah. strings at it. Oh, Yo, a couple so of weeks cool. ago, actually a couple of months ago at this point, uh, one of the the council chairs from the Naboo throne room went up for auction, and we seriously debated it. The only reason it was like, I mean, it was a thousand dollars, but a thousand dollars for a nice armchair is like reasonable, even if it wasn't in Star Wars. Yeah, um, the it was not in. When we saw a picture, it was not in the kind of condition to justify that and the renovations oh, it would need. But the fact that they're still out there circulating in like cool. prop and furniture auctions, yeah. That would have been my answer. Anyway. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about this episode. Yeah, so we watched season one, episode nineteen, Storm Over Ryloth. Yeah. Uh where we last left Ryloth, they were under a blockade desperately needed support from the Republic and not getting enough of it. And this episode picks up with uh, the Republic response to the uh, blockade and the death of Jedi Master, I'm gonna die. (sighs) Anakin and Ahsoka, they got a cruiser. They're like, hey, we're here to fuck your shit up, Separatist blockade. And uh, Soka takes her squadron out and uh, doesn't follow orders and is too reckless and gets all of them killed. And she barely makes it back to the cruiser. Anakin is like, hey, like, mad respect for not following orders. That's my whole shit. But actually, you got all those men killed. And, uh, you know... Don't feel too bad about it, but feel a little bad and do better next time. And Ahsoka's like confidence is shaken and uh, she's like fucking 12 right here. <laughs> it's it's like pretty rough. Um, and then uh, they're like, what are we going to do? We lost a cruiser. Ahsoka like did an oopsie and Ahsoka's like, hey, I got a plan. Uh, I've been reading Star Wars Legends and I think we should do this. <laughs> This move from uh, the Thrawn trilogy <laughs> and Anakin's like, that's pretty dope, actually. Let's do it. And so they do a Thrawn and it works and it wins the day and they're able to run the blockade. And I think like Obi-Wan comes in with backup. It's been a few days since I watched the episode again. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's the whole thing. That's all of it right there. That's it. That's the whole episode. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, what? Is, is this a is this a good episode? What do you what do you think? What are your thoughts? I think it's a good episode that mostly serves to set up future things. It's it's kind of an interlude in the paths of Anakin and Ahsoka where nothing huge happens, but we this is probably where we start to see her mature. Um, and I think. Overall, it was necessary for the Ryloth arc, because if Ryloth is George Lucas's big D-Day story, I don't know, we needed to see a little bit more of the struggle to actually get to the point where you're landing troops to start helping. Yeah, I I like this episode a lot. I love the, like, Legends reference. Yeah, um, Mark Sable maneuver. Yeah, I remember people were really pissed because this... Uh, essentially like erases uh, aspects of the Thrawn trilogy and that being like Thrawn's move and then it like 
this is what I talked about last week, I think, with like George Lucas has no problem no. throwing out EU stuff and he did it constantly. Yes. And so people who are mad about Disney erasing parts of canon, it's like Oh, and, and praising like George Lucas's vision as if George Lucas wasn't the first person to like throw out his own shit or like other people's hard work. Um yeah. when it suits him, he does it. Yeah. And uh, this is just another prime example of Lucas being like, oh, yeah, I, I like that idea from Grand Admiral Thrawn. Well, this 12-year-old is the one who came up with yeah. it first, actually. <laughs> like, uh, okay, George. Uh, but I, I, I fucking love it. I think it's great. This is the sort of shit that people were like, we hate Ahsoka about. Ah- Ahsoka is this fan favorite character now, and she's much beloved you know, like everywhere in the fandom, but at the time, yeah, boy, howdy, people hated her. Oh yeah. And, uh, this is definitely the sort of episode that they would have been up in arms about, about her, like getting her troops killed as if like episode three doesn't open with Anakin and Obi-Wan getting all of their troops killed and shit like that. Like it's, uh, she's young and she's inexperienced and uh, it is the horrors of war. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a very relatable moment from her like pushing forward recklessly. Yeah. Who, who among us hasn't gotten 10 pilots killed with our youthful? No, but seriously, it is, it is absolutely relatable. I mean, the whole of season one, they're establishing that Ahsoka is brash and reckless like this and that it has consequences so that it means something when later, like, I always point to the Chewbacca arc as kind of the real turning point. But this is where it starts. All through season two, she's learning more complicated versions of the same lesson she learns in this. And, like, I don't know. I think it's, a, uh, you know, you joked about, like, who hasn't gotten ten pilots killed? And it's, like... Shit, I have like when I'm playing when I'm playing like Battlefront or yeah. Squadrons or a game of Legion on tabletop and I get my men killed, I feel terrible. I take it real personally. Those were my boys. Yeah. And now they're dead and like yeah, I shouldn't have been so reckless with them. Like, yeah, I've done that all the times in in video games, which are narrative and like when I play a video game, I'm like playing me but in star wars i'm playing like a i don't know i'm like role-playing that shit uh so like yeah i've done that every everyone who has loved a star wars tabletop game or video game has gotten their their troops killed and if they're not uh some sort of weird sicko they feel bad about it but we can you know point the finger at ahsoka because she's a girl (laughs) and like she's annoying and she's immature and it's like shut your shut your mouth Ahsoka's great I I think I found her annoying at first but it wasn't a hate like I don't know I was also almost her age when she came out so of course people my age acting stupidly was going to annoy me I don't know I never got the hate hate like that's the point the point is that she's a kid she's learning yeah If, if you're if you're watching this especially as an adult yeah. yeah, Ahsoka is, for all intents and purposes, a, a, a 13-year-old. And 
I don't know if you know any 13-year-olds in real life. They're annoying. Yes. And I, I think the the discomfort there is if you're interacting with a well-written and well-acted child character, they should elicit a small amount of cringe from when you were that age. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ahsoka in these early seasons uh, is doing that to some degree, just like Anakin did that, and just like Luke in A New Hope does that. Um, When Luke is complaining about wanting to hang out with his friends and not wanting to do his chores, you should, like, wince a little bit and be like, yeah, I definitely did that when I was 17 and I was a brat. You know? Like... Yeah. That's fucking Star Wars. Like those are those are the POV characters. Yeah. They they do that. They're relatable <laughs> and they're young because Star Wars is for children. On this topic. And um I want to get on my soapbox a little bit here. Do it. I love it. Do it. Do it. So have you seen the Batman discourse this week? I haven't. What okay. a sentence. I haven't. Yeah, so like once a year, comic book Twitter, uh, someone writes a long thread as if they're the first person who ever thought of it and uh, they have solved comics because Batman is actually a villain because if he was a good person, he would use all of his money to invest in social programs and just fix Gotham. Why is he spending that money dressing up in a ninja suit and a bat furry man and like going out and beating people up? He should just be investing in social programs and fix Gotham that way. (laughs) And what's he doing endangering the life of a nine-year-old orphan when he should be putting that kid in school and not turning that child into a vigilante? Oh, boy. And it's like... One, you're not the first person to have to start this discourse. Like, we did it, you know, eight months ago. Come on. And two, like, that's not the fucking story. No. Like, if you want to read a comic book about Bruce Wayne's tax returns and find out, like, how much he's giving to charities and, like, writing off, like, that's that's not, that's not the goddamn story. And uh, also, like, lots of comics have brought up like Bruce trying to invest in various programs to like help people. Batman, the animated series has a great episode about how like after it's like one where Robin quits. And then he finds out that a guy that Bruce had beat up is not like working for Wayne tech because like Bruce <sighs> then hired him once he like got out of prison and like Bruce helped him like turn his life around. And it's like, yeah, like Batman is doing that stuff, but like, it's about a man dressed like a bat fighting a riddle, a riddle man and a clown man. Like it's not about the the yeah. social programs. Like the, there are other types of books for that. That's not the medium. Long winded turnarounds yeah. to people being like the Jedi are evil actually, because they have oh, child God. soldiers. That's not, and the... it's, and it's like, yeah, on one hand, having Padawans fighting in the Clone Wars is, is, is kind of would be fucked up in real life, but also real life children don't have space magic. 
Yeah. And laser swords that deflect bullets and cut through anything. Real children don't have that. Um, <laughs> and like yeah, there are, it's not, it's not always are, applicable in that sense. There are books that like tackle that sort of thing. Like I think yeah. X-Men comics do a great job of like, there are like five main headmasters of mutant schools and they all have different degrees of philosophy of like, how should we be teaching these mutant children? And like, is it okay to send them on missions? Why or why not? And like, they like, you can really get into that discourse with X-Men comics, but like Batman has like eight orphans at this point that he has trained to be vigilante ninjas. And he fights crime with his, with his weird big family. And that's dope. And like the Jedi are space wizards and they're like they're knights and squires and like squires go into battle with their knights like that's it's a fantasy yeah. story it's uh like i think a character like barris kind of gets into like a look at like the problems and i think to some degree this episode with ahsoka is showing the like flaws in this system Yes. But I don't think the takeaway is like, well, the Jedi are evil because child soldiers. <sighs> I don't know. Any of that makes yeah. sense, Ryan? I'm off my soapbox. No, it, it absolutely did. It. I, I actually have had a couple debates recently with people about the whole, like, the whole Jedi are evil take. I don't know. It... It's exhausting when people grasp at straws to do the whole the Empire are actually the good guys, yada, yada, yada. I do think that there's room to criticize the Jedi. I think that obviously like they were flawed. I dislike the notion. I had a debate earlier this week about like were the Jedi at all at fault for their own downfall. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. But this isn't really one of the real issues. Like the story has to play within the rules of that story. Padme is queen is a warrior queen at 14. Yeah. And like we're not supposed to question how she is the monarch of an entire planet. Yes. And also this great strategic mind for warfare and like kicking ass and taking names and like giving these senate addresses and stuff and calling for a vote of no comp like she is fully as capable as any adult at 14. And so there's a reason it's fiction. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong. There are some incredible 14 year olds out there uh, who are like advocating for really important political and social issues. I'm not trying to like talk down to the youth, but (laughs) we're supposed to accept that like, yeah, shit is just different in Star Wars. Yeah. And a large part of that is just the storytelling medium of, like, young adult fiction. Like, of course, the main character is going... The POV character is going to be young so that young people can relate to them and see themselves in the story. And they're going to be doing things that kids in real life should not be doing. Yeah. Because it's for... It's for it's for children and it's it's supposed to be exciting. You know, like if Anakin was like, well, listen, Ahsoka, I know you're 12 and I got to like, go fight this war. But like, 
I don't know, I'm a responsible adult, and you shouldn't be on the front yeah. lines of this battle. Like, if it then just, like, sat with Ahsoka back on the ship, that'd be really fucking boring. Again, the story has to play by the rules of the story to impart the theme it's trying to impart. We don't yeah. question that an otherwise very clever young girl mistook a wolf for her grandmother in Little Red Riding Hood. Because those are the rules the story needs us to play by. We don't question that the Jedi have their teenage apprentices fighting battles. Because those are the rules the story needs us to play by. Yeah, and I, I really do think that, like, the medieval, like, squire-knight relationship, like, yeah. can help you stomach it. Like, if you're, if you're like, oh, this is a high fantasy story, and, like... That's exactly what it is. This this knight Anakin is going into battle with his squire Ahsoka, and because of like her extra training, you know, squires are like a higher rank than like the rank and file troops. Like she's going to be giving orders and like speaking with the authority of like that her knight has entrusted her with. Exactly. Like when you read the Game of Thrones books, which are a very like grounded fantasy series as grounded as like a fantasy series can be Rob Stark is fucking like 14 Jon Snow is like 12 and they're fighting in battles and leading armies and shit like middle ages were just different yeah and they're able to do that because they're they got like that noble blood they got the blood of the first men so they can like lead troops and shit Anyway, that's my soapbox. The Jedi are not evil because they have child soldiers. Like, that can be, like, a fun discussion, but it falls apart when you're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, aimed at 12-year-olds, so, of course, yeah. there's going to be a 12-year-old, like, in the thick of things. Like, that's the intended audience. I don't think Kanan is evil for having Sabine and Ezra fighting no. with him and Hera. Like, I don't think Hera is evil for, like, having Sabine as part of her rebel cell. Like, y'all, it's 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 a story. It's, it's fine. Anywho, I guess we can talk more about this episode. Sorry for going <laughs> deep in a rabbit hole. It, 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 this episode more than most highlights what you were saying. I don't think we got off topic at all. Yeah. Um, I hate the ship designs that the Republic has here early in the war, but I also love them. Which ones? Uh, the fucking wing... I'm cussing a lot, jeez. The <laughs> wings fold out and fold down thing. Oh, the V-19 torrent? I love that yeah. ship. Yeah. I... Andy... Aesthetically, like, in the universe, hates it. I would never fly that thing. I think it's ugly. Hmm. Andy the fan thinks it's a good design within Star Wars. Like, it's a very Star Wars design. And it's I think a, that's cool. Isn't that originally from the micro series? That's like one of the big callbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is one of the micro series. I think that's uh, why ships. I'm attached to it. Because now yeah. that I think about it, you are right. It is ugly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't step 
was in 10 feet of one if I lived in a Star War. But, one of uh, my one of my go-to pickup lines when I'm out cruising the bars in this pandemic uh, single man that I am, kidding, is uh, in a galaxy of V-19 torrents, you are an N1 starfighter. It's It hasn't worked, but... No. <laughs> is that what that you said from. when you met Becca? <laughs> that is exactly what I said. And she said, what? And then I said, are you an angel? And she said, okay, that's better. Uh, and then we got married on the spot. Good shit. <laughs> um, any other like random things you like? I like that. Uh, what's his name? Clone trooper who doesn't matter because he doesn't survive. Calls her mother bird. That's cute. Yeah. I like the designs of the clones overall. That one had like blue like flowers on his helmet. That was cool. They do a really good job in the show of like introducing clones. You get attached and then they die right away. Yeah. Immediately. It's rough. Uh, Admiral you Lauren. Oh, I don't think yeah. we talked about him on our podcast because he's, I don't he's think good he's come up one. in an episode we've covered. Yeah. I love Admiral you Lauren. I love that. He is a like blink and you'll miss it character in a new hope with no lines. And yeah. they were like, he's young and sexy now. And he's a <laughs> captain and it's great. Good yeah, character. he's definitely, definitely, and then gets more fleshed out in Rebels, and he's fun. I wonder if we'll see him in the Bad Batch, because he to go from ad. I mean, I know the real life reason was just that Dave mistakenly thought he was a Grand Admiral in A New Hope, but the the pivot from like a naval admiral to being just a colonel in the Imperial Security Bureau would suggest that something happened. Hmm. It would be fun um, my, to see him. My understanding was like the ISB is its own. Yeah, it is. Like separate rank system. Yes. But yeah, I think. The, so, the but to make the jump over there. Yeah. Not that he was demoted. I don't think. I mean, he's, okay, a, yeah, he's yeah. a great officer. But just something happened to make him want to jump into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is very different from what he's doing in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Love it. Good, good, good shit right there. Anything else? I don't know. This is like a pretty straightforward episode. And I think the crux of it is like Ahsoka dealing with the horrors of war as a child. And yeah. Um, like, yeah, it is rough and it should make you uncomfortable. But also it's uh, it's not as sinister as people are making out to be. It's just the fact that this is like a story for children. So the main character is a child. It's fake and in space. Yeah. It is fake and in space. Anything you don't like? Off the top of my head, it's been a couple days for me too. I think it's, uh, I guess I, I, oh, I like the Nemoidian villain, but I don't like that he, like, I think they teased that he survived. I don't remember if that's in the episode or if that was just like when it came out, Dave Filoni was like, you might see him again. And then we never did. Clone Wars had a lot of interesting characters that just, nope. He is very sinister. Yeah. I know we talked about this last week. I do think that he's maybe one of the more racist Nemoidians we've ever seen. Uh, that is on, true. Like, uh, a design standpoint. But like seeing him again could have like done something about that, you know? Yes, absolutely. Like, 
like I hadn't considered that about the design, but yes. Back to comic books, like the Mandarin is a really yellow scare, very racist caricature yes. of a character. But the Mandarin in Shang-Chi really well written the movie like really great really fleshed out really interesting and like yeah i think if we had seen this uh this nemoidian admiral they could have um you know fleshed him out more given him more depth and made it less uh uncomfortable yes little redesign i liked uh i liked the conversation he has with uh wat tambor about admiring anakin I love Wat Tambor too. So anytime we get to see Wat Tambor, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's fun. That weird looking dude. I like that they use the little Nemoidian Skype screen that we see in the Phantom Menace too. Yeah, good stuff. Go around guy. Um, I hate Ahsoka's costume. It's yeah, bad. It is smarter. Smarter people than me have uh written. Pages upon pages about how bad Ahsoka's costumes are in this show for the first uh, six seasons. Yeah. Um, they're 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 bad and they're terrible, and uh, they should have had a woman in the room when they were designing it. Yes. Otherwise, I'd say like this is a banger of an episode. Like you said, Ryan, I do I do like the villain. Um, and I wish we had gotten more of him to give him you know more of a an arc or something. Yeah. Um, and like, I love Ahsoka, but, uh, her costumes in this show are shit until season seven. So yeah, up until, Oh, I mean, she has some one episode costumes that are great. Like I like her spacesuit. I like her winter gear. Yes. Those are fine. Um, but like her two main costumes. Yeah. You said it. Season six are just remarkably uncomfortable and bad. Very. Which, like, fucking sucks. Because I'm sure there are, like, little kids out there who want to dress up like Ahsoka. And uh, there's some, like, real obvious reasons why that's uncomfortable. Like, she is wearing a strapless bra. And that's, like, wild. Like, a strapless leather bra. And then... (laughs) a backless dress like down to her waist and it's like y'all what were you thinking like she's 12 and then like she 16 14 to 17 14 to 17 in those outfits and it's it's this was an issue when the clone wars she's not 14 in this she is supposed to be 14 i i'm on my soapbox again about how old is ahsoka i know but it's sure she's sure she's 14 canonically she became a padawan at four i know i know but it's established that she becomes a padawan at 14 i hope you get to reorganize the timeline because yours makes more sense but yeah. no, I was going to say that sure. actually I was just talking to Becca, my partner, about this the other night because she was she was 12 when the Clone Wars came out and she wanted to dress as Ahsoka and that that wasn't going to happen. And yeah. she she is that's she now as an adult, has, she's making the forget which Ahsoka she's even working on, but she has the spacesuit, And it was like there were tears the first time she put that on. But. Yeah, she was never allowed to be Ahsoka for Halloween or anything because of that. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah, it's a bad, it's a real bad costume design. Yeah. 
and uh, heart goes out to all the little kids who wanted to dress as Ahsoka, and their parents were like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, which, like, sensible parental decision there. Um, yeah. I'm not a parent, but uh, if I had a uh, 14-year-old child who was like, yeah, I'm going out in a strapless leather bra to Comic-Con, I'd be like, uh, mm, yeah. Mm, we're going to talk about this real quick. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's uh, that's all the <laughs> bad stuff from this episode. Overall, banger of an episode, though. Real fun. Definitely. We don't get to learn a ton about Ryloth, but like, you got to watch this one before... Uh, the next few because this like kicks off like the big Ryloth arc now. Oh yeah. Some housekeeping news: we have a new podcast on the network. Yes. So we were joined the Where They May Radio Network. Uh, got a new show called Good Neighbors. It is a show that I also happen to be on, and we uh convinced them to come here and then good neighbors convinced uh, where they made a uh, open up the door and we're, we're, we're siblings now neighbors. We're neighbors. We're friends. <laughs> They're here now. Yeah. It is a, uh, actual play podcast where a group of friends are playing a game of monster of the week, which is a modern, uh, fantasy supernatural horror game. And uh, we play a group of unlikely heroes who kind of form a found family while keeping their community safe from really spooky, scary monsters. Uh, it's pretty freaking queer, and uh, it's it's pretty funny. It's got a lot of heart. So if that shit sounds up your alley, if you like horror, or if you like found family, or if you like gay stuff, um, like, if you checked any of those boxes, you should check the podcast out. Heck yeah. Uh, producer Ryan, or you're Ryan. Producer <laughs> Ronnie, have... who produces this show, also produces Good Neighbors and does the sound design, and it's really dope. So hats off to Ronnie. He's amazing. That he is. Well, that's going to do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. We are grateful to be part of the Where They May Radio Network. You can get some great rewards at our Patreon at Patreon slash WTM Radio, as well as bonus content from the soon-to-be-released Music and Lyrics by Ending Pending, Good Neighbors, and Fan Fiction is Good, Actually. Ryan? Andy? How do we end the podcast? We were saying tell the boy about his parents, but we recognize that that had run its course. The trouble is, I don't remember what we had replaced it with. If this is going to be the end, let it be memorable. Yeah, that's memorable. New outro, baby. I love it. Where they may radio.